Modern Esther podcast is designed for Christian women who God has called to a career. Our goal is to identify the modern Esther in all women and to leave you feeling empowered with the mission to glorify God in your vocation. the Modern Esther podcast. Um, This is the third part of Esther, episode four. Um, This episode is about, uh, just to give you a little prequel, it's about probably the most popular verse in Esther, um, the big moment uh, for such a time as this. And today we actually are really happy and fortunate we have a special guest with us, um, Amanda Harris. Yay, Amanda. (laughs) Um, Amanda, I'm trying to think, you and I met, um, what is it, four, maybe five years ago, actually? Yeah, sounds about right. Um, In our discipleship group that Danielle and I have talked about, um, Amanda was one of the original uh, members, I guess, of the discipleship group. And um, as Danielle and I have talked about before, we grew really close during that time period. And Amanda was one of our, uh, the four amigos of that, the girls' girls trips. Yeah, Yeah, she's one of the ones that we take our girls' trips on. Actually, Amy, it might have been Amanda that thought of the modern Esther. Actually, yeah, good. I'm glad you brought that up. I think it was the name. Yeah. Yeah. And the podcast you perfectly and in turns both your personalities perfectly so wow <laughs> thank you thank you yeah you totally thought of the name how did you guys meet Danielle I don't know if I yeah so um Amanda and I met in well first of all um when I was 10 years old um along with playing praying for my wonderful husband I was praying for a best friend and um and I just prayed for someone um that would just be um that would stick closer to me like a brother and I felt like I had just a lacking in that area in my life. And I was just in middle school, and I just remember just being like, God, I don't need a lot of friends. I just need one really close one. And God, I mean, just tremendously did that in um, so many different people. But then I remember meeting Amanda the first day of recruitment, or I guess when we got our bids. Yeah, the and, very first day that we realized we were in the same sorority. Yeah, it was pretty much... Love at first sight. It was love at first sight. <laughs> She's my second love. <laughs> Sorry, baby. I love you. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, it was pretty, it's been wonderful. And we've seen each other through a lot. I, we're celebrating what anniversary this year. Facebook always reminds us. It's but Maybe it's 12? Like, yeah. Or, or something like that. 11 yeah, or 12. 11 or 12. It's crazy. But I did want to tell you guys um, since, and how Amanda is so awesome and how she kind of pertains to this um, idea that we're trying to keep this podcast focused around of a Christian working woman. Um, Amanda, giving a little bit of background about her, she was born and raised in Lincoln County. Uh, Stanford, Kentucky, which is the second oldest city. (laughs) Our claim to fame. Um, she went to the University of Kentucky for undergrad where she got a 4.0. I know she doesn't want me telling people that, but she did. And double majored in political science and Spanish with a minor in history. She then went to complete her law degree at the University of Florida. She came back to Kentucky to clerk for a federal district judge and then followed by a federal court of appeals clerkship. Now she is a government attorney working in the great city of Washington, D.C., where we are actually on the road driving her to the Cincinnati airport to get her back to D.C. So this 
podcast is kind of original. <laughs> yeah, if, if I could just paint the picture for everyone listening, we're actually sitting in the back seat, the three of us, Amy, Danielle, and me, um, and Danielle's husband, and who is amazing, is driving us to the airport. And I mean, what more could you ask yes. for? And Thank you, baby. Yeah. Say anything really quick? No. Okay. Yeah. He's she's shy, but he he's a very humble person. So this exemplifies the modern Esther, like always on the go. Um, so okay. So Amanda, you have been listening to our podcast um, kind of every week or every other week. Have you been keeping up with all the episodes? I guess. As soon as they drop on my iTunes, I'm a big podcast person. Um, the Modern Esther is it really is like one of the first things I listen to as soon as it it drops. So I'm a big you know, fan, I guess, in that way. Awesome. Thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you for doing that. And you've also, Amanda has actually taken us very seriously with our email account, which we want yes. people to do. Um, and she's been able to send us like weekly comments and just some feedback on what we're discussing. So thank you so much for doing that, by the way. Um, so how much, and then we also, I mean, because she's been doing that, we felt like we really wanted to have her on the podcast or on an episode to, because she's contributing a lot behind the scenes. Um, have you, what was your, I guess, what was your favorite part so far? What was your favorite episode so far? I, I, I liked both of them a lot. And I think sort of what I liked the most sort of tied together, I, I really relate to Esther's sort of waiting period. Um, and I, don't know because the Bible isn't clear on this part, but I imagine she was sort of searching for her purpose during those uh, that waiting season, both when she was in the beauty pageant and also probably after she became queen. And so I, I think that that really hit home to me and I think really uh, sets up this episode well when, you know, you really see God's uh, purpose coming into action. Yeah, it definitely does. And, um, and to give everybody kind of a quick background, we're actually going to kind of rush over Esther 3. Um, I do kind of want to set the tone for what we're going to get in Esther 4 because Esther 4.14 is where you see for perhaps you have come to power for such a time as this, right? So here's a quick background from the time when Esther was crowned um, to the verse, perhaps you were born for such a time as this. There is a power struggle that seems to be happening in Esther 3 and kind of throughout the book of Esther between Mordecai, right? Um, The adopted father of Esther, which we have now known as Esther's cousin, and then Haman, who is um, a government official as well, which we just see in Esther um, 3 get promoted. And so as he's getting promoted over all the nobles, it's now making him the most powerful official in the entire um, empire. And as he's getting, um, I guess, honored, you can see that um, he is getting honored in the streets and Mordecai is refusing to bow down in respect to um, Haman. Mordecai is refusing to bow down in respect to Haman. And so this is clearly a contrast to another faithful Jew that we know who is also um, who is also in another foreign land um, prior, a hundred years prior to this by the name of Daniel. He was living um, under Nebuchadnezzar when the Jewish people were being suppressed. And he also, like Mordecai, worked in the palace. And he did not bow to idols or elevate the king as God in any way. But it did say in Daniel 2.21, as it's kind of going through his prayer, it said, Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and season. He disposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. Um, So this kind of begs the question, you know, is, is Daniel... 
I guess, elevating um, authority and and into kind of a line of respect, not into a line of, of idolship or um, godship, but just that if you're in that land, um, God has control over everything. So God would have control over who rules that land. And so with that, you need to respect God's decisions as he's disposing kings and raising them up. So when you come to Mordecai and Esther 3 and you see that he... Um, it seems to be respecting the king. There doesn't seem to be any discrepancy about him not bowing to the king, but he's not respecting the king's wishes and honoring other individuals. So, you know, why not? You know, what was he doing? Was he actually not bowing to Haman because he was being faithful to God because he didn't, you know, want to bow to other idols or God? Or was it because of pride? Amanda had some good thoughts about this. Yeah, and... Looking and thinking about Esther, I did a little um, non-scientific research, <laughs> and I, I looked at some um, Jewish perspectives on the topic because I think you know that could be a, a good place to start. And there are sort of two camps. I think that sort of first, what I think a lot of people hear uh, now in church, which is that Mordecai refused to bow down to. Uh, Haman because he refused to have an idol or worship an idol. Uh, And that's sort of one school of thought. And then the second school of thought, I think, is that it's a deeper ethnic divide and and that Mordecai was sort of um, prideful, I guess, would be the the right word, in refusing to bow to Haman. And it seems like um, some support for that might be that that, um, he's already been out of step with God you know, from the beginning of the book of Esther, because he, he's still in Persia. Uh, and so I think that at least provides some support for that second school of thought. And then, um, of course, there is the other alternative belief. Yes, and I'm with you. I mean, I, I definitely tend to think that this was done out of pride simply due to the fact that there is nothing in Scripture saying that um, he was in alliance with God up to this point. And not necessarily an alliance with God, but not necessarily a faithful follower. Um, he does make the claim in Esther 3 that, you know, he did not bow because he was Jewish. But um, there did there wasn't a, a notification in Scripture saying that Haman had anything on him that was going to hurt the Jews. And this was kind of the start of, at least in Scripture, the start between Haman and Mordecai's feud. And so, you know, I tend to think that maybe Mordecai was possibly jealous of Haman's promotion. Um, And, you know, like it says in um, Isaiah 2.12, the Lord Almighty has a day in store for the proud and lofty. For all that is exalted, they will be humbled. And so here we see Mordecai being exalted into the palace, and we see him be tremendously humbled by someone... um, that he maybe does not like getting a promotion. Um, But what's interesting, kind of like Amanda said, this is kind of the start of this whole annihilation because then Haman goes on before the king to issue a decree to annihilate all the Jews, and that would be men, women, children. And the decree was set to be on the 7th of March the following year. Okay, so as soon as that's set, um, the land of Susa seemed to fell in fall into confusion because it was set under their precedent that the, all the Jews were following their laws that was different from any other, other any of the other people, and they refused to obey the laws of the king, which was in Esther 3.8. So um, 
if the people were confused by the decree, then it seemed that maybe the people were actually following the laws of the land, except for one person, and maybe that being Mordecai, and maybe that being out of pride. But regardless, once it was issued and stamped by Xerxes, um, a law is a law. And so they were set to be annihilated. Um, And that's where we find ourselves starting off in Esther 4. Uh, You see Mordecai ripping off his clothes in agony and replays the news of the decree to Queen Esther in Esther 4, 8 through 17. Mordecai gave Hathak a copy of the decree issued in Susa that called for the death of all Jews. He asked Hathak to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her. He also asked Hathak to direct her to go to the king to beg for mercy and plead for her people. So Hathak returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Then Esther told Hathak to go back and relay this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king has not called for me to come to him for thirty days. So Hathak gave Esther's message to Mordecai. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. So, yeah, so this this is interesting when you come to this time. There's so much to unpack, especially in those last um, verses, uh, Esther 4, 14 through 17. But just starting with uh, 414 and understanding what this means, what the definition of this for such a time is. Amanda, you had a really good kind of perspective of what this could mean. Yeah, I I was sort of praying about this and thinking back in my own life, and um, I just really feel like uh, for such a time as this, at least to me, is the intersection of God's prompting, opportunity, prayer, and faith. And we need all of those things to turn, you know, such a time as this into being a piece of God's greater plan, both in his kingdom and in our lives, I think, individually. Uh, I, I was trying to think back and thinking, like, when was the, was the first time that I, I felt that sort of moment in my life? Um, and I think it goes back to when I was called. I really felt this, like, prompting from God to move several states away uh, to a different uh, state to go to law school. And this was my really first time that I'd been away from home and away from family and friends for a long period of time. Law school's three years. Um, and it and it started out sort of um, difficult because there were a lot of naysayers and a lot of people saying that, you know, everyone just is sort of going to come out middle of the pack and like, you know, you're not really going to do very well, so just you know, stop trying. And, and it, I felt so confused and lost because I had really felt God's prompting and urging to, to go to law school. And then, you know, I was sort of left with this, uh, you know, sense of negativity. And in law school, you really only have one test in each class, and it's at the end of the semester. So uh, talk about really not knowing how you're doing, you know, during the time. And so I was just 
praying and, and seeking the Lord, and, and I was praying these really sort of soft prayers. It's a little bit embarrassing to admit um, that it was like, please, Lord, just no C's. Like, I just don't want any C's on these on these exams, and if you've really brought me here for this, like, please at least don't give me those. And um, after I, I got my grades from the cert- first semester, I just sort of hit my knees and thought, like, you know, uh, it just, it, God's, you know, path really exceeded my expectations of what I had even asked for. Uh, and it really just confirmed that this was my moment. This was a, for such a time as this, God had really led me to go to law school to prepare me for uh, a career that I think I could be used by the Lord in a really unique way. And, and it may not look like Esther's uh, for such a time, which is this, you know, huge moment of saving her people, but it's it's certainly uh, a chance for me to get to be a daughter of, of God and Christ and to get to reflect him uh, through my career. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I think that there's um, something that you said that was really interesting about the for such a time as this, it was, it was not only your for such a time as this, but God gave you even more than you, you know, than you could have thought. For sure. My plan would have been, you know, half-baked compared to sort of what God had in store. Yeah. Um, Amy, I mean, do you have? Yeah. Well, I just, I thank you for sharing that because I feel like I've known you, but I've never really heard like that perspective of it. So that was awesome. Um, I, I also, I just love how you said like you had some negativity surrounding that. So, and I feel like that's like, even in Esther's story or any, in lots of characters in the Bible, like there's always some kind of resistance, like whether it's like man or whether, you know, whatever it is, but there's always seems to be some kind of resistance. But when we take God's word and we, we act on that, that for such a time as this, then we typically will see the fruit that God has for us. And in your case, like you said, it even exceeded your expectations. Um, but it's cool to hear your story. And and like we have kind of talked about in, a, in prior episodes, um, Esther's story, Amanda's story, our stories, they parallel other people in the Bible as well. Um, we talked a little bit about Moses and Paul. Um, you know, Moses, obviously, when God said to go back to Egypt, to go back to Pharaoh, um, you know, Moses had a choice whether he was going to follow what God was calling him to do or whether he was going to resist that. Um, Paul, you know, when he was in prison, he had for such a time as this to act on his ministry to God. And, um, basically he was (laughs) the author of the new Testament because he listened and followed through with what God had to say. Um, another example that we were talking about earlier and kind of praying about is, is actually Abraham. Um, so not only did Abraham, I mean, Abraham has, in my opinion, he's just a man of great character anyway, because, um, you know, how he honored God with his life, but not only that, he waited. Like, you know, we talked about suffering and waiting. Abraham was definitely someone who suffered and waited. Um, he was 75 years old for the first time when he actually, um, was told that he was going to have a son, that he was going to have an heir. Uh, and be the father of many nations. And you can read about that in Genesis chapter 17. Um, And then 15 15 years after that time, he still didn't have a son, but it was reconfirmed to him. And then even 10 more years later after that, um, that's when his legitimate son Isaac was born. And God 
blessed, you know, that moment. So it was a total of 25 years that he was waiting for his, for such a time as this. And then he had this son and he was blessed with, uh, what God had, you know, told him that he was going to be blessed with. So, um, but it's cool too, because in Abraham's life in, in Moses and Paul in our own lives, um, in Esther's especially life, you know, in, in pertaining to this episode, um, there's other people that are surrounding these people that influence that moment, you know, that God, um, God commands them to do something or commands them to act. And it's really neat to look at some of the other people in Esther's life, I think, to, you know, how did they influence that decision or that moment for her? Yeah, absolutely. And so if we just go back to Esther's life, I mean, we see just taking the characters mentioned in the, you know, in these a uh, couple of chapters here in um, Esther three and four, and I mean you can even go on to five. But um, you see Mordecai, who is you know her, I guess kind of her her parental advisor, her mentor that seems to be um, in her life, kind of giving her a lot of direction, whether that's good or bad. He, you know, he is. He is kind of her mentor. And then you have Haman, who is more of Mordecai's enemy, but because of that, it is indirectly um, the antagonist to Esther and her purpose in saving the Jews. And then you have Xerxes, even though that should be a partner in this situation, is definitely more of an authority figure um, in the book of Esther. And so um, Amy kind of had a really cool perspective of looking at, at all three of those and how you can find maybe each one in your life. Yeah, I just, um, for me, and and relating to kind of just the um, the philosophy behind what we're doing with this podcast is, I see it a lot, I think, in the workplace and even in school, you know, um, you have someone who's like Mordecai. I have people like Mordecai in my life who um, they may encourage, but they also may push you, you know, whether it's in a positive way or negative way, they're, ba- they're ultimately pushing you towards a direction that you need to go. And I think that's what Mordecai was for Esther, you know, so, so for example, at work, you know, you may have a coworker or you may have someone that you're competing with on something that kind of pushes you towards something, um, towards a kind of a tough decision. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> sad to say, we all have Haman's in our life, I think. You know, we have, maybe it's a coworker that undermines, you know, your work, or maybe they're um, not trustworthy or something like that. You have someone who um, just is kind of against whatever you're for, whether that's in work, in school, um, in family sometimes, unfortunately, we have those kind of situations. Um, and then I feel like King Xerxes, you know, I think of, like, if you've ever gone to your boss or you have to go to your boss with a tough decision, it's similar to what Esther had to do with King Xerxes. Now, her situation was a matter of saving God's people and life and death, really, for her. And, you know, if you have to go to your boss with a decision or with some kind of tough information, that's oftentimes not life and death. But still, nonetheless, I think... um, kind of the premise is the same, that you have to basically do something that may not be the popular thing to do or may not be like the most um, like long term that might affect your relationship with that person or whatever, but you still have to do that. You still have to act. Um, So yeah, I mean, I feel like there are plenty of examples and I don't want to, you know, specifically, but I think that we all have specific examples, you know, if we just reflect on that, like in our life, in the workplace, in school, in our families, even in friendships, there are all three of those characters. And I think that we look at Esther, but we kind of sometimes don't look at the people who shaped Esther and we should look at that. We should look at the people who led um, her to this for such a time as this moment. 
Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree. And I think that that is a crucial part in reading the book of Esther, especially because God is not mentioned, um, you know, at all, right, in the book of Esther, as we've talked about before. So how is God speaking to Esther is huge and how God speaks to you. And um, for me, like God really does use all kinds of different avenues. Um, I can see my Mordecai being my mom for so many years and then being married, my Mordecai being my husband. And um, there's uh, many different Hamans and I try to forget them. But, uh, um, and then, you know, as far as authority, fig- you know, authority figures, you know, professors and people that maybe you're uh, terrified of, uh, but you, gr- you know, you grow to respect and they, they've also been placed in your life for such a time as this to make you, um, who you need to be in Christ. And, And, you know, just thinking back to like scripture and like two verses that I just think go so beautifully together is Jeremiah 29, 11, where it says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And then you couple that with Romans 8, 28, all things will work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So, you know, looking at Esther here, we have a woman of God who God has set plans in her heart and other people's hearts to prosper her, to give a future to her people, um, and to ultimately work good for her and her culture. Um, and then basically just, um, bring glory to God in that. And so along the lines of trying to figure out like in your own life, like who is your Mordecai and who is your Haman, who is your Xerxes? Um, a couple of us were kind of talking about before Esther, You know, it was very clear at the end of Esther 4 when she was giving commandments back to Mordecai. And she says, you go and pray. And it says Mordecai did what she said. And Esther turned to God. And knowing that, like, who is your God is ultimately, like, your most important thing. And the understanding um, that he is the one that we need to go to. And we can love all these people or we can dislike all these people, um, but listening for his voice and idolizing him alone is what is going to kind of bring us all an understanding that our for such a time as this moment is uh, because of him. And that will be you know, our call to action and kind of light the fire under our butts to kind of move you know, on his path and for him. And, um, another kind of question that we also raised was, you know, can we get more than one for such a time? For sure. I mean, I I think, um, when I used to read Esther, I, I read Mordecai's sort of language about, um, oh, if, if you don't do it, essentially someone else will, or God will use someone or something else to bring uh, his purpose, uh, to come to pass. And I read that sort of as, as, oh man, like someone else can do what I can do, right? So that I'm sort of insignificant. But sort of what I took for that is that, you know, um, really God's giving me an opportunity and he's choosing me. And I think by by realizing that, I mean, I think it clearly means that we won't have for for one such a time as this, that instead God's going to present so many for such a time as this in our lives and that we can uh, pray and seek those moments in our lives and, and pray to recognize them, I think, as Esther did here. And we don't know what happened to Esther, you know, at the end of, of her story in the, in the Bible, but uh, I'm confident that she had other moments where God used her to 
bring his purpose to pass. And I pray that that happens in my life and my friend's life and in all of your lives. Yeah. Amy heard something really. Yeah. And, and you know, like we were talking about, like you're talking about your life, our lives and other characters in the Bible's life. Like when we were talking about Abraham earlier, we even talked about how he had multiple um, moments, multiple for such a time as this moment. You know, we were actually questioning, well, was it the moment when he got his son or was it the moment when he was going to put his son to death for God? You know, God called him to do that. And, and that, I think it just, you're right. Like not only do we see it in our own lives, but like God shows us that through the other people in the Bible that even they, including Esther, have multiple moments of for such a time as this. So, so if you, you know, you've already, if you're listening and you've already had a moment that you felt like you were for such a time as this, like it's not over, you know, I think that there's, there's more to come, um, from that. And I also, um, I, when I was thinking about this and thinking about Abraham's life and, um, you know, just our own lives, I read a quote and it said, um, that, basically we are given divine moments to alter circumstances. And I think that this is just so true in Abraham's life. It's so true in Esther's life. Um, and it's also true in every single one of our own lives. Yeah, I, I do think, I do think it's true. And, um, and I think, you know, I, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I, I keep thinking about it the whole time. Um, when, when we first kind of talked about starting this podcast, um, and what this looked like, it kind of first was like, oh, maybe it'll be a blog. Maybe it'll be a devotional. Um, And then it was clear that this is what God wanted us to do. And I remember being very nervous because, first of all, I'm not technologically savvy. I didn't even know how to work the USB cord or find a charger (laughs) earlier. Uh, And I'm even less than that. So God has provided. Yes. Um, But, like, it's just interesting how he just, when he wants you to do something, he'll, he'll let you do something. And, um, and I just remember praying and I was like, you know what, God, like, I don't feel like worthy of doing this. Even if I've got like best friends beside me doing this with me and a husband that supports me and family, that's just like, yes, go for it. Um, I don't feel like I did, you know, I don't, I felt like Moses. I felt like I was, I would always just give excuses. Anytime God would ask me to do something or go, I'm not smart enough. I can't do that. I don't know. And then eventually, like for this one, I just felt like this is for such a time. And what I mean by that was I've gone to a Christian school my entire life. And I, again, I'm not saying like I'm a biblical person at all, but I, I have had a unique opportunity where I have read through the Bible. I couldn't tell you how many times, I mean, seven, maybe like cover to cover. And I should be a better Christian than I am, to be honest with you. But I think that like taking that studying and then kind of going and seeing like, okay, God will, you know, four years later be like, lead this huddle with a, a best friend, a, a, a discipleship group. And then, okay, lead this other discipleship group and lead this one and start this one and mentor these high school girls. And then eventually it came to do this, you know, talk, talk about what's on your heart. Talk about the things that bother you. Talk about the things that no one wants to talk about and talk about them in my name. And I think for me, like, I remember telling, you know, both of you all this, like, it's just kind of like a moment where God was just 
it was a for such a time. And that's something so silly because it's about a podcast. But when you're terrified to do something and God calls you to do something, you have an opportunity like Abraham to be faithful for 25 more years until his promises and covenant comes into fruition. Or you have an opportunity like Jonah to run away. But either way, you're going to end up in Nineveh and Isaac is going to be born. So you can just be a part of that journey and love it and experience it and love every single moment and feel unworthy to be in the position that you're at or you can run away. And, um, and I think that in everybody's life, like it doesn't matter if it's small, you know, or big, he's going to call you into action and he's going to say, this is your first such a time. And it's up to you to ultimately choose that. And, um, I guess our, you know, my big prayer going forward, and I think all of our, what's on all of our hearts is that we just see those moments and we give him the glory. Um, so I guess we can just close in prayer today. Amanda, do you want to pray, pray us out since you're our guest of honor? I could pray us out for sure. Father God, we are just humbled to be your daughters and we are so thankful for the opportunities that you have placed in our lives in our friends' lives, in our families' lives. And we pray as we go forward that we would just really seize on that opportunity to act out in faith as Esther did um, and to go on that journey to be a piece of your greater plan. We pray that for everyone listening, and in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this time, Amanda. Oh, thanks so much for having me and for going through the great to, to like accommodate. <laughs> I don't exactly know where we are on this journey to Cincinnati. <laughs> we're so, we're outside somewhere. Cincinnati. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, you guys, um, that's all for this week. We will see you in a couple weeks for um, uh, next part of Esther, Humble Obedience. So stay tuned for that. Um, In the meantime, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and, of course, email us. um, If you have any commentary, feedback, suggestions, um, or prayers at themodernesterpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks for tuning in. God bless.